Tonight we continue in a sermon series we started a while back entitled Jesus According to Jesus. If you want to know who Jesus is, just ask him and he'll tell you. He's a God of revelation. He doesn't want us to keep us confused. He doesn't want us to be in the dark. He doesn't want us to have to guess. If you want to know who Jesus is, ask him and he'll tell you. Tonight, in John 15, he tells us that he is the vine. He is the vine. John 15, let's consider the first five verses tonight. Jesus speaking to those of his day. Jesus speaking tonight to those of us that are here. He says, I am that I am. I am God, the true vine. And my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that he may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. Again, he repeats himself in verse 5. He says, I am that I am the vine. I am God the vine, and you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. In John chapter 15, the Lord Jesus is going to teach truth using an allegory. An allegory is a story, a story that has two meanings. It has a superficial meaning, but it also has a more serious underlying meaning. Each person in an allegorical story usually represents something else. It certainly represents what it says it is, but it always represents something else or someone else as well. Simply put, an allegory is a story where there's more to it than meets the eye. In John 15, Jesus is going to tell an allegorical story. He's going to talk about three characters. He's going to talk about a vine. He's going to talk about a gardener. He's going to talk about branches. But bear in mind, he's really not talking about a vine agriculturally. He's not talking about a gardener occupationally. He's not really talking about branches. These things are superficial. They're just things people can identify with that are familiar with. But the story has great serious undertones to it. And that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. First of all, I want you to notice the vine. In verse 1, we find that there is a true vine in the story. And the true vine has a name, and he's Jesus Look at verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the real vine. I'm the genuine vine. I'm not a counterfeit. I'm not a phony. 
I'm not a pretender. I'm real. I'm true. I'm genuine. I am the true vine. Now, this word vine can be confusing. So let me explain to you what the vine is. The vine is the root system of the plant. It's the invisible root system. It's also the trunk of the plant. The visible part you see that's above the ground. So when Jesus says he's the vine, what he's saying is I'm the root system that you can't see that holds things together downward. When he says I'm the trunk, I'm the vine, I'm the trunk. He's the visible part you can see. And he's the center and circumference of holding everything together on the top side as well. Jesus says he's the true vine. He's the true root. He's the true trunk of what will bring spiritual growth to anyone or anything. Now, why did he use the word true there? Because there were some in Jesus' day that were claiming to be the source of life and the source of fruit. The nation of Israel was claiming that it was the life, that it was the source of fruitfulness. The nation of Israel itself was making that claim. The religious system of Israel was making that claim. Judaism was saying if you want to have life, if you want to bear fruit, It comes from us. The religious leaders were making that claim. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, it made up the Sanhedrin. They were teaching people that we are the life of this nation. We are the life of this people. If this nation is going to bear fruit, if you the people are going to bear fruit, it will come through us. And what Jesus was doing with one word is he was refuting that. The nation of Israel, the religion of Israel, the religious leaders of Israel, they're counterfeits. They can't deliver the goods. I'm the Messiah. I am that I am the vine of God. I'm the root system. I'm the trunk system. I'm what you can't see and I'm what you can see. And there's life in me and there's no other life anywhere else but in me. And there is fruitfulness in me. And there's no other fruitfulness without me. Jesus is the true vine. The second character that we're introduced to is the gardener. Notice in verse 1, Jesus makes mention of the husbandman or the gardener. And he identifies who that gardener is, that husbandman is. And it's no other than his father who is in heaven. The gardener is God the Father. Jesus is the root system. Jesus is the trunk of the plant. Have you got that in your mind? And the owner of that vine, that root system, that trunk system, is God the Father. What does a gardener do? He cultivates... He fertilizes, he pesticides, he waters, he prunes, he places the branches that fall to the ground, off the ground, so they won't rot. The Lord God, God the Father, 
is constantly inspecting his son. But more importantly, not his son as much as the branches that we're going to talk about in just a moment that come off his son. It's the gardener's responsibility to produce fruit. Not to make something look pretty. Not to make something look a certain color. It's the gardener's responsibility to produce fruit. The Lord Jesus is the vine. He's the root system. He's the trunk system of a plant. God the Father is the gardener who is constantly working the vine. And then we have, thirdly, the branches. In verses 2 through 5, the branches are identified as you and I. The vine is the Lord Jesus, the gardener is God the Father, and the branches that are connected to the root system and the trunk system of the vine are the people of God, the saved, the redeemed, those that have been bought in the blood, clothed in the robe of righteousness, the born again, the possessors of life, the sons and daughters of God. These are the branches that are coming off the vine. And what's the purpose of the gardener in regard to those branches? To do something to cause something that they would bear fruit. Hopefully tonight, you and I are branches. Now, have you got that down? The vine is who? Who's the vine? Jesus Christ. Who's the gardener? God the Father. Who's the branches? You are and I am. Anyone who's in Christ. Now, in our story... Jesus talks about himself, he's the vine. He talks about the Father, who's the gardener. But most of the conversation is on the branches. The branches that are supposed to bear fruit. If they do not bear fruit, or they do not bear much fruit, they have a problem. And he's going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But in our story, he introduces us to four branches on this particular vine. Four branches. The gardener examines the branches. That's his responsibility because the responsibility of the gardener is to examine the branch and so work with the branch that it will bear fruit. The gardener examines the branches that are attached to the vine and he notices that there's four particular branches on this vine that Jesus is telling about. Branch number one is found in verse two. It's a branch that bears no fruit. Look at verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, the gardener takes away. And we learn later that he takes it away to burn it. So branch number 1 bears no fruit. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Then there's branch number 2. That's also found in verse 2. Notice it says, In every branch that beareth fruit. Every branch that beareth just a little bit of fruit. He purges it. The gardener purges it. Prunes it. 
that it may bring forth more fruit. So we have no fruit branch. We have a little fruit branch. Then we have a gardener who takes the little fruit branch and he purges it and prunes it to create a third branch called the more fruit branch. <laughs> you say, Pastor, this is a fruity message. <laughs> You're right. Branch number one, no fruit. Branch number two, little fruit. Branch number three, more fruit. And that leads us to branch number four, verse five. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bring forth much fruit. Much fruit. So you got the branches now? No fruit, a little fruit, more fruit, much fruit. The gardener is looking for fruit. Hopefully, he's going to see much fruit. But if he doesn't see much fruit, then he's going to work on the more fruit that it might be much fruit. He's going to work on the little fruit that it might become more fruit than it might become much fruit. And if the branch has no fruit, it's good for nothing but to be cut off and burned. The gardener is concerned about fruit. Because fruit is a personification. Or not, let me say this. Jesus is a personification of the fruit that he's looking for. And when he finds that fruit, it's a picture of his son. Does that make sense to you? When the gardener sees the fruit, if the gardener is God the Father and he's looking at the branch and he sees the fruit and when he looks at that fruit, he sees his son Jesus, it pleases him. How would Jesus look if he was fruit? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 tells us how he would look. It tells us the fruit of the Spirit. This is what the branch is supposed to be producing whether it be little, whether it be more, whether it be much. This is what the gardener's trying to do with the branch to get it to produce fruit so it, that fruit will look like his son and bring glory to him. What is the fruits of the Spirit? What's the gardener looking for? He's looking for love. He's looking for joy. He's looking for peace. He's looking for patience. He's looking for gentleness. He's looking for goodness. He's looking for faith. He's looking for meekness. He's looking for moderation or temperance. That's what the gardener's looking for as he goes through his plants. He looks at the roots. He looks at the trunk. He said, they're perfect. Then he looks at the branches and he said, these branches are supposed to be producing fruit. And this fruit should be a reflection of my son, the vine. Jesus is the vine. He's the center and circumference of life. Out of him come the branches, you and I. We're the saints. We're the branches. We should look like the Lord Jesus. The Father in heaven walks around looking for fruit 
from those branches that are attached to his son and trying to think of ways that he can work with the branch to make that happen where it needs to happen more than it is. Now I want to close by making us think a little bit. Why are not all of us producing the same amount of fruit? We got the same root system. We got the same trunk system. We're all attached to the giver of life. He wants to reproduce in us. Why aren't we all producing fruit? Why is it there's such a variance? Some people are producing no fruit. That's one end of the spectrum. Other people are producing much fruit. That's the other end of the spectrum. And somewhere in between, there's a little fruit here and there, and there's a little bit more fruit here and there. So let's think about these things. Why do we see no fruit, first of all? When the gardener looks at some of the branches, there's no fruit. You know why there's no fruit? Because there's no life. You can't bear fruit unless you have life. And life comes from being connected to the vine, Jesus Christ, who is the life. So when you see a branch, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, that bears no fruit, the question is, is it not bearing fruit because it's not connected to the giver of life that produces fruit? If someone bears no fruit, and they bear no fruit for a long time, season after season after season, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one answer. They're lost. Plain and simple, they're lost. That's why the Bible says, what does the gardener do with those branches? He cuts them off, and he carries them to the pile, and he burns them. Symbolic of the fact that they're dead, disconnected from life, and they're being judged. Do you know it's possible to look like a branch that's alive and connected and not be a branch that's alive and connected? You know it's possible to be religious but have no life and no ability to reproduce fruit? Do you know it's possible to be spiritual and pious and ethical and moral, to be Bible literate, to be a good deeds doer, to be a church member, to be a Catholic, to be a Protestant, to be a Baptist, and not have any life in you? And not have, be able to reproduce any fruit. People who produce no fruit. Listen to your pastor who produce no fruit. Season in and season out. Season in and season out. The reason why is because they have no life. Because they're not connected to Jesus. 
and therefore they cannot bear fruit. Because without Him, it's impossible to bear spiritual fruit. You know what a perfect example of that is? Judas Iscariot. If we were living in the day of Judas Iscariot, all of us would have said, if anybody's going to heaven, Judas is going to heaven. Of all those 12 apostles, he stood out more than the other 11. Have you ever thought about Judas? Most of us think of him as, as some sinister-looking guy wearing a black coat. I'm telling you, he looked every bit as a living person in Christ. He looked like he could produce fruit. Think about him. He was a man of education. He didn't go to seminary. He didn't have to. He sat at the feet of Jesus for three and a half years. He heard every sermon Jesus ever preached. He sat on under every teaching Jesus ever gave for three and a half years. He heard everything Jesus ever said, saw everything that Jesus ever did, experienced everything that Jesus ever done. He had more education about Jesus and the things of God than we'll have in a lifetime. He was a man of education. He was a man of participation. The Bible says he joined the other apostles. He went out and taught the Word of God. He went out and preached the Word of God. He healed the sick. He worked miracles. He did it all. And he did it in the name of Jesus. He was not only a man of education, not only a man of participation, he was a man of reputation. Do you know he was the treasurer of the apostles? He was the most trusted one of the bunch. They voted him to have the money. They, they voted him to, to carry the money, to spend the money, to keep the books. You don't give your money to somebody you don't trust. He was a man of education. He was a man of participation. He was a man of reputation. He was a man of association. He was with Jesus. Morning he was with Jesus. Lunchtime he was with Jesus. Evening time he was with Jesus. At nighttime when they went to bed he was with Jesus. He lived with Jesus. He had it all. He was the total package except for one thing. He wasn't a man of salvation. He never got connected to the vine that gives life, that allows for fruit to be reproduced. I think Judas is a perfect example of lost church members today that sit in every church in America. They're connected to their religiosity and their churchianity, but they've never been connected to Christ. And therefore, there's no fruit in them because there's no life in them. Now let's look at the other three branches. Because I believe these branches are a picture of men and women and teenagers and boys and girls who have been saved. They are connected. They have life. The life that came from Jesus. They have the ability to reproduce. So God looks at them and says, well, this one's not producing very much. What can I do to get them to produce more? 
This one's producing more. What can I do to get them to produce much? I want them to be like my son, and the only way they can be my like my son is to reproduce the fruit of who he is. So God does a few things to those that are alive, to those that are capable of reproducing. The first thing he does in verse 2 is he prunes. The gardener, God the Father, prunes the branches that are attached to his son, the vine. He prunes. Notice in verse 2, he purges it or prunes it is another way of saying that, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, I don't claim to be a gardener. I don't claim to be somebody who does fruits and vegetables. But having watched my father do it on occasionly and having read a little bit about it and seen it in some documentaries, I do understand that purging, simplest definition, is the cutting away of dead wood that might hinder the live wood from growing. Purging is the cutting away of the dead wood that hinders the living wood from producing. Producing to its top capacity. Now what is the Lord when he looks at a branch that's not producing very much? What is he doing? He's going to purge. He's going to begin to prune that particular branch. He's going to take the dead wood away that we that have life, can produce the characteristic of, of His Son, Jesus. I wonder what some of the things that you and I would have in our life that would be dead wood. That the gardener would need to take out his knife and chop off our lives. Because these things are hindering the fruit that He wants to see in us. Now I'm going to go from preaching to meddling here. You're going to go from sitting still to squirming a little bit. Some of you that are looking at me are going to duck and dodge. Because what I'm about to say is going to hit the grain a little bit here. What are some worldly things that we have in our life that the gardener needs to cut out if we're ever going to become fruit-producing? Enough that people can see Jesus in our fruit, in us. Let me make just a few suggestions. Travel ball. That's the big thing today. When I was growing up, each sport had a season. But today, travel ball's big. You know what travel ball is? A fancy way of saying we're going to do one sport year-round. Baseball, year-round. Basketball, year-round. Football, year-round. Whatever, year-round. Tiddlywinks, year-round. And many parents get caught up in this thing of travel ball. And travel ball usually takes place on what particular time of the week? Help me out. On Sunday. After all, little junior can play Major League Baseball one day we got to get him in travel ball. So what if we miss 51 Sundays a year? One day he's going to hit it big in the major leagues. 
Really? Who told you that? Travel ball keeps fruit from being produced. It's a dead wood attached to a living person that God has to cut out sometimes. What about sports events? The NFL package. I pay good money to watch these NFL games. And when did the NFL games come on? On Sunday. Sometimes they come on in the late morning, early afternoon. That means I can't go to church. I got to pay for this NFL package. Because after all, NFL is my God. I worship at the altar of the pigskin. I'm not washed in the blood. I'm washed in the black and gold, the gray and the blue. They play football at Sunday night. Can't come to church Sunday night. Got to see the big game. Maybe that's some dead wood you've got. No wonder you nobody's seen no Jesus in you. And maybe the Father one day is going to step in and start chopping off some stuff to get your attention. How about a side job? i got to work on the weekends. No, you don't have to work on the weekends. You choose to work on the weekends. Because you want to make more money to pay the, more, the bills that you've run up. So you're never in church. How about upkeep on the blessings that God gave you? God gave you a big house, so you choose Sunday to do the cutting of the grass, the washing of the car, the polishing of the boat. Maybe if God took the blessings away, you'd come to church. You see, that's, that's dead wood, ladies and gentlemen. I could go on and on. It's dead wood, and the gardener comes, and he sees Jim Palmer's life, and he says, why isn't Jim Palmer producing fruit? He's connected to the vine. There is a connection there. He's got life. Why is he not producing much? And then he says, well, it's no wonder he's not producing nothing. He can't come to church. He's too busy doing the things of the world. Good things, perhaps, but they're the things of the world that he hasn't got time for the things of God. And then the gardener sees something else. He sees not only dead wood that needs to be cut out, that the living wood can have time to grow and to produce fruit, but he also sees in verse 3 that there must be discipline. Now you are clean through the Word. The Word of God is a way of disciplining us back to the straight and narrow when we've got off base. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Pruning takes away the dead wood, the worldly things. Worldly things are not always bad, ladies and gentlemen. But they're bad enough to keep us from doing the good things. And then the discipline that comes from the gardener to the plant, particularly the branches, is the removal of the parasites. 
A gardener is always looking for dead wood that he can chop off, and he's always looking for parasites that he can scrape off, that he can discipline, if you will. Remove things from the branch that's hurting its production. So he has a knife and he cuts off the dead wood and he has a scraper and he scrapes the wood and removes the parasites that eat the wood. And so when God looks at our lives, what does he see? He sees dead wood and he cuts it out so we'll produce fruit. He sees parasites and he scrapes them off. That we'll produce fruit. You say, Pastor, what's the parasites? I'm glad you asked. They're the wicked things, not the worldly things. They're the outright wicked things that suck us dry from the life and the ability to reproduce the fruit that God wants us to produce. What are some things that God might want to scrape out of your life and mine tonight? Because these things are sucking the spiritual life out of us. And blocking the production of fruit. How about pornography? I don't know if the statistics are true or not, but everybody who does statistics say that there's a pornography problem out there. And they also say there's a pornography problem in the church. Upwards to 50%. They say, have a problem with pornography in the church of Jesus Christ. Oh, some of it's just small. Others of it's very large, but it's there. And pornography is a parasite that needs to be scraped out if you're ever going to produce fruit. What about alcohol? Alcohol. Bellying up to the bar. Having an old Milwaukee. How about gambling? Taking your hard-earned money and throwing it away on a chance to win something you'll never win. How about murmuring? Running your mouth behind people's back. What about rebellion? I don't care what the person over me says, I'm not doing. You see, all of those are parasites. And if they stay on you long enough, they'll stifle the life out of you and keep you from reproducing the characteristics that will produce a picture of Jesus himself. So the pruning takes care of the dead wood, the worldly things that block us from the spiritual things. The discipline scrapes the parasites off of us that hinder us from experiencing the fruit that God wants us to have in our life. They're wicked things. And then if you notice in verses 4 and 5, there's another word that pops up called abiding. Abide in me. Fifteen times in John chapter 15, the word abide is used or abiding is used. What What does the gardener look for in this abiding? He looks to see if the connection to the the vine is good. He looks to see 
what he can do to make the life that the branch has more life. What he can do to produce more fruit off that branch that's connected to the vine. What can he do positively, not negatively, but positively to facilitate that? What are some worthwhile things that you and I can have in our life that will help our life be manifested more and help us produce more fruit? There are certain things we can do. And the gardener wants to help us. How about praying? You know when you pray, you're connecting yourself more deeply to the life that you have in Jesus? Able to produce more fruit that's like Him? How about serving? How about giving? How about studying? How about witnessing? How about worshiping? All of these are things that we can do. We can put these things into our life. And when we put these things into our life, our life becomes more magnified, more magnified, magnified. And the fruit comes from that life. And greater bunches. Do you understand that's what the gardener's doing tonight? God the Father's in the house. And he's walking up and down the pews. And he's looking at the branches. He's examining us. And he says, this is a dead branch. They're not connected. They don't have no life. They'll never have any fruit. And if they don't change one day, they will burn. Oh, and this one has little fruit. They're really not bearing much. It's because they have worldly things that have kept them away from spiritual things. I think I'm going to need to prune them a little bit. I'm going to get their attention. I'm going to start cutting some things away from them. Ah, oh, there's another branch. It's not producing as much as I would like. Why? Well, because this particular branch has parasites on it. Parasites of sin, of wickedness. And these parasites are affecting the health of the vine and the branch. And I'm going to get my knife out and I'm going to scrape that stuff off. Ah, but there's a branch. It's doing pretty good. I believe it has great potential. And I'm going to encourage this branch to do some positive things and to do more of the positive things it's doing. That one day it's going to produce a basket of grapes that will overflow. You see, that's what God's doing tonight. He's looking at the branches of you and I. George Bernard Shaw was asked a question in the latter years of his life. He was asked, if you could live again, Mr. Shaw, if you could start life all over again, who would you choose to be if you could be anybody in history? If you could go back to age 21, who would you desire to be, and you can be anybody that's ever lived, who would you desire to be? And you know what he said? I would choose to be the man that I could have been, but I wasn't. I, if I could go back, I would choose to be the man 
that I could have been, but I never became. Ladies and gentlemen, let's not end our Christian life with regrets of how we wish we could have go back and be more of what we should have been at the beginning, but we weren't. Because we allowed worldly things and wicked things to choke out the life and block the harvest that God wanted for us. And we didn't practice the worthwhile things that God wanted us to do enough to make any difference. Capital One has a commercial that says, what's in your wallet? I close this service and ask you, what's in your basket? If the gardener looks in my basket and your basket, what does he see? Does he see the fruit of love, peace and joy and patience and faith and goodness and gentleness and moderation and meekness, or does he just see an empty basket? What does he see? Heads are bowed in Isaac.